The man of will breaks all boundaries. As above, so below. Magic of come to realize is a new way of seeing our own world. Something divine truly does exist. You're listening to the Culture Shock podcast with your host, Dave Oscuro. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Culture Shock podcast. My name is Dave. I do have to apologize. I am feeling a little ill at the time of recording this intro, but I wanted to give a proper introduction to our guest this week. An all-around great person, video producer, uh, IT technician, a jiu-jitsu practitioner, hot sauce connoisseur, producer Rob. The irony of the day that I have technical issues is the day that my guest is a podcasting producer. And an, I, and an IT technician in real life. Well, well, I should have asked you, but in, <laughs> in, in, what it ended up uh, being was I had to restart my computer. My, Let me, my, I'm an, I, I, you know what? I'm, go, I'm, doing, I'm going to give away a little trick of the IT technician trade. Okay. <laughs> I would say at least, at, at, at the very least, 50%, if not 75%, of all stupid computer issues can be resolved by rebooting your computer. Seriously, I, I so so for those who don't know what happened, I have um, I have a a sort of a, a an interface that I plug in. I used to have, I still have it, it just doesn't work. I had a Yeti that I uh-huh. used, and that thing, I don't know what happened to it. It just bugged out the last time I used it. So I went back to my old mic, which has to use an interface. It actually has an XLR cable. We're going to nerd out about tech stuff for a little bit. And um, and I have a separate nicer camera mm-hmm. and they plug straight into my MacBook and neither of them were reading. So I'm like replugging and repatching and, and none of it's reading. So finally, I just, and I've got like a million tabs open on my web browser because I've, I'm producing a, a, a comedy special. So I've got all this stuff that I want to get to. Right. I finally just had to bite the bullet, restart it. Luckily, Google will like reopen all your tabs if you just do a, a hard reset. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it worked. Then all of a sudden, boom, everything was working fine. Camera's working, yep. audio's working. There you go. Yep. That's, I, it, it's, it's so funny because I have, you know, I get people who I, I, I work with like a very specific group of, of people that I support at my office. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because there's a couple of them who get so annoyed with me. <laughs> when I tell them, when I ask them if they rebooted, and I'm like, no, I'm like, reboot. And then, like I said, almost always, it's like, that fixed it. I'm like, well, 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 the amazing thing is, right, we have this, this extraordinary technology, okay? I was talking to my mom the other day, and we were talking about kids and having phones and tablets and all that. When I was a kid, I had a pager, and I thought I was the bee's knees. I thought I was the <laughs> coolest guy on the block. Um, so just thinking of where cell phone technology has gone since I was a kid to now, right? Much less computers. Like I, you know, mm-hmm. I had I had one of those AOL startup disc, you know, and the modem and all that jazz. Oh yeah, marvels of technology, and yet still, most issues can be solved by just they, for whatever reason, just restarting it is like the magic Midas touch. I will I will never understand why that is the case or why they the computer folks have not somehow created a technology that will bypass that but yeah it's it's there it is it's irony it's not as good as mine yeah absolutely (laughs) so so for those who don't know you are not only an it technician you produce 
uh, is it there's multiple shows on that on that network? Is it the Brian, Vinny, and Craig show, or just the Brian and Vinny show? So I at the time I was doing the Brian, Vinny, and Craig show. It was basically the, the when they would do the uh, the retro raw and the retro nitros right on Tuesday nights. That was the show that I that was my the primary show that I did, and I would also go in uh, the Sunday night shows after a uh, after a pay per view. I would do those as well. And then, you know, every once in a while, if they, you know, needed, needed me for something, I would, you know, kind of fill in for those two. But those, those were primarily what I did. So what, I mean, I don't even know, I have no engineering or technical background. Like, obviously, I'm a film producer, but I'm more on the logistic and financial side of things. So mm-hmm. for me, podcasting is very much an adventure. This is like my fourth podcast. I just thought about this the other day. I think I've been podcasting for like four years now, three years now over, mm-hmm. over various podcasts. How do you get into that? Like, I mean, I guess there's a need for it now, you know, there's like, everyone's got a podcast, um, um, but, but, but like what, how, what was your path into uh, video producing? So here, here's, the, here's another fun special tip. I had zero experience doing this <laughs> going into going into doing this for 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 brian the way the way i ended up getting into this and then i will share i will share another story when i'm done but you know i i like you i study brazilian jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. i study you know brian is the the instructor at the school that i that i train at mm-hmm. and you know he you know he knew I was a wrestling fan and we always, you know, we always talk. He, he would, he would invite me over for the, uh, for the pay-per-views whenever he'd have them on and you know, all that. And when they decided that they were going to start videoing some of these, mm-hmm. he, he, he literally just asked me and he's like, Hey, we're going to start doing video. Do you want to be the producer for the show? And I've said, what do I need to do? <laughs> what is that? And he basically said, it's just, it's really simple. You come in, you basically, we have the software already set up. We have the cameras already set up. Basically all you need to do is come in and click a button to switch the cameras when someone else is talking. And that's that. And that was literally how I got into it. And that's, that is the, that is the, I mean, I guess to call me a video producer is a bit of a, uh, embellishment, if you will. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> like I said, I literally would just sit there on the software that they had and push buttons to change the cameras to whomever was talking. Well, in, in the film world, like in live video or live to tape, that I mean, that's called a line cut. And, okay. and, and that's usually a director that does that, that sits there and literally just punches back and forth between various camera angles. So it is a legit job that even exists in the film, film world. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's, it's funny that that story that you're talking about, because it reminds me of, of two stories. I don't remember if I've said this on this podcast. Maybe I have. But um, when I first got into film, my first feature, I walked in. I had a little bit of experience. I mean, I did some like home videos and um, my brother-in-law was the more technical guy. And I was like mm-hmm. a creative guy. But um, my ex-girlfriend got hired on as a hairdresser for a feature. And so I drove her there and I walked in and I said, I'll work for free. I just want to get on set, right? Mm-hmm. So a couple of days into the job, the, the coordinator quit. And they looked at me and they said, uh, you have management experience, right? Like I'd been managing like shoe stores and the okay. gap and stuff. And yeah. I said, yeah, retail. And they're like, okay, you're the new coordinator. And it was very much like you. I was yeah. like, okay, what do I do? <laughs> like, what does this <laughs> entail? And you just kind of have to learn them to go. There's a, there's a term in yeah. film that's called a, a day out of days. 
which is a, is a, it's a schedule, right? Uh-huh. It's, it's what days people are working on specifically cast. And I remember day one, right? The first couple of days I've just been making copies and like stapling sides. So someone says, can you print the day out of days? Mm-hmm. And me just not knowing anything said, what's a day out of days? My buddy, Jude Walker, who's a great friend of mine now, at the time mm-hmm. he was the AD on the show, he's walking by as I say this, the production coordinator who doesn't know what the day out of days is. And he just shook his head and laughed. Couldn't even contain, <laughs> like, where was he, right? Yeah. Um, now, now we've worked on like 20 projects together and we're the closest friends but but that was like our introduction is me literally not knowing shit about shit and him being like where the hell in texas am i which is where i'm at now this is a on yeah. on location show there you go um the second story that i have to tell because it's funny that that you kind of got into this world through from jujitsu through being a wrestling fan I uh, when I first started training, I used to train at um, Legacy in Burbank, which I'm now Legacy Glendale, but it was run by Alberto Crane. He had a couple of fights in the UFC and he's a mm-hmm. big black belt. Um, and I there was this guy who was training with me about the same time, about six foot one or so, maybe six foot two, shaved head. He looked like Emilio. Uh, what's, uh, what's what's his name? Emilenko. What's uh, yeah. what's what's I forget his name now. Oh, Fedor. 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 Yes, yes, yes. So he looked like Fedor, right? Kind of, but British. Uh-huh. So, so you know, I, I'm, you know, we, we train and what have you, and then we go back in the locker room. We're changing. So under his gi, he's got a T-shirt that says "Shiny Wizard Podcast." Mm-hmm. Now, the Shining Wizard is my favorite wrestling move because I'm a big, great Muda fan. Mm-hmm. And so, me not knowing who this guy is, other than he kind of looks like Fedor, says, "Oh, you're a wrestling fan? That's cool. I love the Shiny Wizard." Blah blah blah. And he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah. I used to used to do a little wrestling." Blah blah blah. Yeah. Uh, so. Then he asked me what I did. I said I was a film producer, and he had a, a script idea. Uh, turns out this person is Nigel McGuinness, who is also <laughs> <one of> my, <laughs> who is also one of my very dear friends. Uh, and and that was the beginning of our friendship. From that's fantastic. From that moment, it was, and I felt so bad because I didn't know who he was. Because <laughs> at that time I didn't watch Ring of Honor. You know, I don't. Sure. I, I was a kind of a lapsed wrestling fan. I mean, maybe yeah. maybe I just started getting back into it because this is around. 2013 2012 somewhere in the the, okay. the summer of punk part two and Dan gotcha. Bryan era that was just starting to get back mm-hmm. into it so i'm i'm talking to this guy who's a you know one of the greatest technical wrestlers around mm-hmm. and he's very kind and sweet about it and he doesn't nearly believe in how good he is as the rest of us do but right I mean, honestly, I'm just that whole story. I was, all I was doing was sitting here just picturing a British Fedor and just how, well, at, how incredibly amazing that would be. Well, look at look at Nigel when he was in TNA with a shape. We've since then we convinced him to grow his hair back out. He actually has a full yeah. head of hair. Uh, if you look at him with his shaved head, he kind of he was much bigger than too. He's kind of thinned out yeah. now. So uh, funny. That was a funny sort of that is hilarious. There. Um, what? So okay, I don't know. We could talk about we could talk about pro wrestling. Well, I guess what let's start there because that's sort of where the nexus of this all. Like, what got sure. you into wrestling? So I I have, I have actually told this story on the Brian and Vinny show a couple times in various other podcasts that I've done. I was I would have been probably twelve years old. This was mm-hmm. nineteen eighty. Yes, I'm old. Um, <laughs> nineteen eighty two or eighty eighty two, I think. I was one. Yeah. Um, we had just gotten <laughs> and cable. I'm old. Yeah. 
Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me, I feel that more and more every day, my friend. <laughs> so yeah, so we had just gotten cable and it was it was a Saturday, I don't remember it was either Saturday morning or Saturday evening. But I had some I was flipping through the channels, just looking at all these great new channels that we had. And I had come across, I had come on to TBS, WTBS. Yeah. And literally as I turned it on, there is this bald-headed pudgy man who is just ranting and raving like a lunatic his face is turning shades of purple i had never seen on a human being before in my life <laughs> spit flying everywhere drool and he's just yelling and screaming about how he is going to get this guy and he is just going to beat him into oblivion Turns out I had come across the old, the, the, the original old NWA version of World Championship Wrestling with Gordon nice. Soley. Yep. And I was, I had come across a Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer promo. Excellent. And if you've never seen or heard of Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer, I highly recommend going on YouTube and finding any old Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer interviews that you can find because they are just the man was riveting and and that's literally how I explained it. It was the most riveting thing that 12 year old producer Rob had ever seen in his life. <laughs> and from that day on, I was, I was transfixed with the world of professional wrestling. Well, it's so funny. I, I'm sure there's plenty of people who are going to tune into this podcast and they're going to be like, these two guys are geeking about wrestling. And there's still sort of a negative connotation that comes with pro wrestling, but for young, I mean, all folks, but for me as a young man, young boy, there was something captivating about watching this. So I grew up in Corpus Christi, which is just down the road from where I'm at. I'm in San Antonio at the time of this recording. And um, there's nothing going on there, man. I mean, at one point we had like the highest rate of, of unwed teenage pregnant mothers in the entire country. I'm sure our, our like meth rate was super, you know, gang violence. There's nothing to do in that town except for getting yourself in trouble. But we had this rinky-dink little pavilion that was ironically called the Coliseum, okay? And every once in a blue moon, wrestling came into town. I often mm -hmm. joke that the only people that know where Corpus Christi is are Selena fans or wrestling fans. <laughs> so so um, I don't. it's hard for me to remember like when I got into wrestling it, exactly. Because I remember like um, I remember Hogan versus Warrior. I remember that being kind of a thing, um, but I, I was always a, a more of a WCW guy. I was a Sting fan yep. growing up. I remember you could buy like the, you know, he, for those of you who don't know, Sting, the pro wrestler, paints his face. And at the time you could buy these sort of, um, they're like the same material that the, that the, the temporary tattoos are. Okay. And you could put those, they would sew the mask, you know, his, his, uh, his design and you put them on your face and you peeled it off and you'd have the Sting design. All that on incredible. your face, which by the way, I don't know why, like AEW or whomever who's got a painted face wrestler, why are you not selling this? Because this is I, honestly, I, I'm, I'm very disappointed that I never found those as a child because I would have had those on a regular basis. It was the best, the best thing. So I know, it, I know at some point, I feel like Hogan Warrior must have come earlier in my career or mm -hmm. earlier in time. Um, but, but I was, I was, you know, it was mostly WCW that came in. So I, remember uh i don't even remember the match but i was a big rick rude fan okay because one time he came into town 
and he's doing his gyration and he's running down the sweat hog, this, that, the other, and he spits and he nearly hits me. Oh God. Like it landed right next to my chair, but I thought this guy was like the coolest dude ever. I also remember the day that El Gigante, uh, Giant Gonzalez from mm-hmm. WWE, yep. um, beat Ric Flair. I don't think it was a title. I don't think it was officially a title change, but, right. but he wrestled Ric Flair and he won because he, he was like the Hispanic guy winning in the Mexican market. Mm-hmm. And and we all jumped out of our seats, hopped the railings and like celebrated as he marched around the whole crowd. Like yeah. this guy was like he was the greatest wrestler of all time. Mm-hmm. You know, so these were my origins uh, getting into pro wrestling. And, and it just was one of those things that I never got out of, nor did I, I mean, I did fall out when it wasn't good, but like yeah. I never felt sort of sort of societal pressure to not be into wrestling, especially the older I get, the more hardcore about, yeah, something I enjoy and the more comfortable I am with yeah. it. Yeah, no, I was, I was the same way. I was like, it's funny because like growing up, none i mean i had a couple guys that i knew in school who would bring in like the old you know the old after magazines like like the wrestler pro oh, illustrated yeah. and and those two also got me because like they always had the old black and white pictures of the guys who had bladed and you know they're just completely yeah. bloodied up and it was just it was so cool to look at but outside of that i never like none of my friends growing up were into wrestling like i was like mm. I, I i like every saturday i was there watching i would you know same thing. I started off, you know, I started off, you know, NWA, WCW, and then yeah. I found WWF and started watching that and, you know, back and forth. Um, but it, it was pretty much just me. Like I, yeah. none of my friends were really into it. And then I kind of got out of it for a little while as I got into college and, you know, into my, into my twenties and whatnot. And then I kind of found it again. And yeah, I, I've been, I've kind of been in and out of it, you know, a couple times now. Um, but it wasn't until we moved out here to Seattle, which was almost actually in a, another week, it'll be six years exactly. Wow. Um, and I met Brian that I, I ever actually met people and became friends with people who were big wrestling fans. And really? it's funny because where I, yeah, yeah, where I work at my job now, I have, there's like three, three guys on our team on our IT team who are all, we're all huge wrestling fans and we'll sit there and we'll all BS and, you know, throw out dumb wrestling references <laughs> and, you know, whatever we can. And, you know, we all, we all have wrestling shirt Friday. And, oh, so cool. Oh, it's awesome. But it's like, it's like, where was this when I was a kid? I, I probably never would have left. Yeah. You know, I just, yeah. it was just like, I said, it was one of those things that I watch and nobody else was watching. I'm like, eh, whatever, I guess I won't watch it. And it was getting kind of boring and silly. And yeah. Well, it's funny because it's, it evolves, right? So like when I was young, similar to you, I was really into WCW. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I caught it when it was still NWA. It was right. It must have been right in that transition mm-hmm. time. Yeah. I was a big Sting fan. Sting was like yep. my guy. And then Sting and the Great Muda, when they had their rivalry, oh, so that good. was that was awesome. And then Vader, so like I was all about mm-hmm. the Steiners, yep. all that jazz. Um, so much so that, do you remember the old WCW hotline? Yep. So we, my cousin Jason and I were so convinced that Tom Zink which is probably a name you've not heard in a while. <laughs> the Z man. The Z man was banging Missy Hyatt. I don't know where we got that from, but we were convinced that somehow they were dating or whatever, <laughs> loosely using the term. And yeah. so we, we call, we would always call into the hotline asking them if they knew that. And then of course they would hang up on us or <laughs> I, I, mean, I don't remember. But 
in my time as a, as a, as a child and then a teenager, you know, when I was in a teenager, it was the attitude era, which yep. is when wrestling was peak. And I remember, but even then I remember I, for Halloween, we could dress up at school one year and I dressed as the crow sting. Mm-hmm. And then we went to a football game and I felt so embarrassed. I was like the only wrestling dude. <laughs> and so like during halftime, I actually went down to the bathroom and like washed the face paint off, you know, and like tried to like play it down. Um, yep. It's one of those things that it's kind of a fringy thing, I guess, but it's one of those things that either you love it or you just don't get it. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know what, I don't know what you think, like, what is, it about wrestling that a makes it so appealing for so many of us, but also it's pretty divisive. You know, I don't, I think, I think the draw is just, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a very simple, I mean, when it's done, I mean, honestly, even when it's not done right, but when it's done right, it is, it's a very basic good versus evil story. And I, you know, I think it's, you know, you used to get a lot of the, you know, it's a, it's a soap opera for men, which I, I still think is, is, is somewhat applicable to a degree. Although, you know, that's, you know, anymore, it's like this for men, this for women, you know, right. it's kind of like, it, it, who, who gives a shit? Yeah. I'm sorry. Can I swear? <laughs> Absolutely. Please. Okay. Okay. Um, so, yeah, but I, I think it, at the end of the day, it's just, it's, it's the basic good versus evil. And, you know, you, if, if it's done right, you know, now with WWF, you know, you get, you know, the good versus evil doesn't kind of apply because they're so hell bent on, you know, constantly getting heat and shitting on the good guys and, and doing whatever. And, but you know, when it's, when it's been right, it's just, it's, it's very basic storytelling. And I think that's what is that, that, that good versus evil story where good eventually triumphs over evil is, it's just, it's always going to, it's always going to be a good story. And I think that's, that's basically what it is well i i I agree with you i i when i was growing when i was a kid i actually got into greek mythology Mm -hmm. before i got into comic books my my uncle mike used to love uh the old clash of the titans movie you know and and like jason and the agronauts and stuff so Mm -hmm. i so when i was really really young that's kind of what some of my early memories of, of TV were right. Outside yeah. of like, you know, and there was also He-Man of course and GI Joe. And mm-hmm. so I kind of grew up in that era. And then, and then I got into Greek and I found a, a book of uh, actually it was Norse mythology first and then Greek mythology. And then, nice. and then somewhere around that same time was comic books and wrestling. And so I think you're right. And, and for whatever reason, um, and I, I get that there's a camp element to it, but frankly, there's a camp element to Marvel movies and look how much money those things make. Oh, yeah. essentially the Absolutely. Same thing. There is something about this, our modern culture doesn't really provide um, the same sort of pantheon of heroes and villains that would have existed in a time, you know, a thousand years ago, or what have you, right? We've sort of, as we've moved into more of a secular type country, and as we've sort of put more of our uh, attention on technology in particular, it seems like some of those basic morality tells don't really exist anymore. Yeah. Um, and there's been peaks. Like I said, there was the peak in, of comic books in the nineties. There was the peak of wrestling in the late nineties. There's mm-hmm. the sort of resurgence of Marvel movies lately, but, but consistently speaking, we don't really create those and we don't create those heroes. And I think that you and I, even with a little bit of an age difference between us kind of grew up in a time period where that was for, for us, that was wrestling. Like pro wrestling and it was live action it wasn't a comic book it wasn't a a cartoon it was like 
two beefy dudes for the most part. Yeah. Like, would look like beating the hell out of each other. Yeah. No, I agree. And this, it's, it, 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 you know, it's kind of the same way with the old, uh, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, but like on, uh, Saturday afternoons, they used to have Wide World of Sports, and they yeah. would always show like the old, you know, like the old boxing matches, like H- Hagler versus Hearns or Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, whatever. And it was it, it, it was the same type of thing. It was just a, a good old fashioned, you know, it was combat. what you thought at the time was a fight, <laughs> right? Well, no, so that's a good question. So, when at what point in your life did you did you accept that it was scripted show? Honestly. I- I don't remember. I kind of, I, I feel like a lot of, I kind of always had an idea because I always had people around me mm-hmm. who were telling me, like, you know, it's not real, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know. And it's like, and it's funny because it's like, even now, it's like, you know, you, you look on Twitter and you'll you see somebody will comment on a, a recipe was like, you know, it's not real, right? I was like, well, no shit. But neither is Breaking Bad. <laughs> Yeah, neither is Breaking Bad, neither is Game of Thrones, but people right. watch the hell out of that. It's like, who cares? It's entertainment. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to be escape from reality. I don't look at it, and I don't expect to see, to think that these two people are actually beating the hell out of each other. I just, it's, 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 a, it's a TV program. It's, it's nothing, you know. And I guess, and 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 that aspect, I guess that. that sorry, I'm going to digress for a little fine. bit. I guess that's honestly when when it was really when I really realized it was when you know during the. Uh, during the uh, the the steroid trial that McMahon had, where he basically right. said it's it, it's fake. So yeah. I mean, but it was, yeah, it was it was it was kind of one of those things where just you know, like I said, you always had the adults around you or the people who didn't like it. It's like you know, it's not real, right? I'm like, well, who cares? It's fun. It, it, it's so funny because obviously, uh, it, it as you get older, it's very evident what part script and what's not. But for me, yeah. I always I, there's a part of that always kind of knew that WWF was fake. Mm-hmm. I held on way too long into my adolescence that WCW was at least somewhat real. I yeah. used to, I, I think what I used to tell them was, uh, I mean, you know, when people would confront me, like in my junior year in high school, even, you know, this is like 98, mm-hmm. um, that, that, um, the, I knew that the, the finishes were predetermined, mm-hmm. but I thought everything leading up to that was mostly real, which I guess yeah. in some degree, it kind of is the physicality of it. Sure. Um, and I knew this because my grandpa used to be a referee mm-hmm. in Texas whenever the oh, wow. circuit would come through. Yeah. So in Corpus Christi, mostly luchador, like Mexican wrestling. Okay. But when I was preteen, my grandma would tell me stories of how they never kept any photos, which I'm so sad about. Oh, I wish, man. I, wonder, I, hope, I don't even know if he had a fake name or not, but it's Icy Lozano. If you can figure out, if anyone, Dave Meltzer or someone knows, like has an image of my grandpa refereeing, I would pay top dollar for that. Send me, send me that name so i can have the proper spelling or everything yeah. i will because i know i know yeah, i mean i don't i don't have a direct access today but i know people who do and i know a couple other guys who are very good wrestling historians so if, if, if it's out there they can find it well so i knew uh, i will send that to you but so i knew that okay. that that grandpa would hang out with the wrestlers after the bouts yeah so I, I knew that but i also felt like leading up to that you know, they, they were, or, or sometimes I think I would, at one point it was like, uh, they're cool after the fight, but the mm-hmm. fight's real. And then it was yeah. like, well, the ending's not real, but the fight's part is, you know, and then like slowly, but surely I just accepted, okay, this is scripted and it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. change anything. It's, it's like you said, it's like game of Thrones. Kit Harrington is not Jon Snow. 
It yeah. makes zero difference to me if it's yeah. well if it's well acted, if it's well scripted, if the scenes look amazing. John Wick's mm-hmm. not real, right? Yeah. It's yeah. actually John Wick is probably much less real than than wrestling is. Oh, absolutely. And believe me, I, you know, if you, um, you know, if you ever go to my Twitter page and you look at my pinned tweet on my Twitter page, it's, it's a video of me, my, my one and only time in a pro wrestling ring, uh, <laughs> a local show here in, uh, here in Seattle. And uh, basically the guys, the, the bad guys grabbed me out of the crowd, threw me into the ring and, and beat the shit out of me. Awesome. And I, I, I took a couple bumps and, you can't, I mean, you, you can, you can fall down. You can take a bump and know how to take a bump Sure. where you're, where you're not completely hurting yourself. And then the bumps I took were very, you know, minor bumps compared to some of the stuff you see, but you can't fake falling backwards. I mean, your gravity is gravity and that, yeah. that, that is not fake. So, you know, I mean, these guys are still, I mean, you look at these guys, you look at them walk, you look at Mick Foley walk. Right. I mean, the dude has just put his body through amazing, amazing things. And I mean, any of these guys, you look at them, they take these bumps. You, you know, you, you can't fake that. And they're, they're putting, a, putting a toll on their bodies. And that's, you know, that's probably why a lot of them have unfortunately uh, passed away. So, so young it's because they're, you know, partially yeah. because of what, what they do to their bodies. Well, if you think of if you think of other pro athletes, and I'll use football as an example, the average person yep. enters and leaves NFL within three years. Yep. The average player, right? Yep. And even what's Tom Brady in twelve years, maybe something like that. Uh, no, Brady's uh, Brady's over twenty years actually. Is he really okay? So he's yeah, an exception. Yeah. Oh he's yeah, ex- no, absolutely. And he is very protective. Yeah. You know they they make up rules to protect Tom Brady and make sure mm-hmm. he gets as little contact as possible. I would say for any wrestler on TV, they're, they're, they're probably put in 10 years before they even got to TV. Oh, yeah. Of, of insane stunt work. And Absolutely. like you said, bumping, falling, getting hit. You know, that's like if anyone who's ever done martial arts, either uh, jujitsu or um, judo and has mm-hmm. taken a judo throw, it sucks. Oh, yeah. It just, just does. It's not fun. And, uh, and, and you know, you're, you're probably only doing that once or twice. You know, I just got back into jujitsu after like a three-year layoff and my body is in pain, you know, <laughs> uh, like I move in one direction. I'm like, oh, my ribs, that's not fun, you know, yeah. and and your gas tank is is non-existent. And you watch those fellas and fellow, you know, women and men on wrestling doing anywhere from five. Like, have you ever done, any, have you done jujitsu tournaments? I've never done a tournament. I, I, that's, not, that's not entirely true. We actually had a... Um... We actually did an in-house tournament oh, cool. at, 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 yeah, at school, but that's, that's it. Well, so I, I was going to say, if you've ever done a tournament or even just a hard sparring session, mm-hmm. right? Three minutes is an eternity. Oh, yeah. It is an oh, yeah. eternity when you're going that hard. Um, mm-hmm. and, and often in jiu-jitsu, you might be on your back the whole time. I mean, you'd have pressure on you, but you're not bumping through tables or even ring posts or it's hard work. So all the respect in the world to mm-hmm. those folks that do this. And I think oh, yeah. that that's, I think for me, as I got older, I was able to transition my suspension of disbelief from believing it was real to just respecting the hell out of the craft. And um, I was going to ask if he had ever attempted it since, you know, Brian, and maybe mm-hmm. take a shot at it. I, I, uh, I 
Nigel showed me how to do a shining wizard and I gave Nigel a shining wizard and that's the extent of it. Nice. Uh, I, when I met him, I was probably 35, maybe 34, 35, some of that range. I think mm-hmm. too, too old for me to, to try to, yeah. I decided to stick with jujitsu, um, but it, it's incredibly taxing on the body. I couldn't even imagine doing that for like 20 years, 30 years. Like what, you, what you must oh, feel God. like every yeah. Like Kurt yeah. Angle just said that he's in immense pain every mm-hmm. day. Yeah, no. And that's, you know, again, again, that's, you know, part of what led to his, you know, addiction problems is he yeah. was taking pain pills, eating them like candy because he was just in so much pain. So and, and it, it's funny too. I was gonna say same thing. It's like you know, had there been like like I feel like now it's it's so much more commonplace to see it. And there's wrestling schools mm-hmm. everywhere, and you know when I was growing up and then when I was into it, that wasn't a thing. It was like you had to know somebody, right? And you had to have that look. You had to be a certain size, and you had to be you know fully you know steroid jacked up or whatever. Otherwise, you were they weren't even looking at you. Yeah, and, and it's like now it's like. If, if, if I, you know, if I was discovering wrestling at that age today, I'd absolutely be, you know, be lifting weights and going to look for the closest wrestling school I could find. I would, I would, I would love to have done it. Yeah. But yeah. But I mean, obviously now you said, I just, I just turned 50 last year. So that's, uh, <laughs> that obviously my, my, uh, my one, uh, my one trip in the ring last year is probably going to be my one and only one. That's still, still memorable. and still really Oh, cool. absolutely. And if they ever ask me to do it again, I will damn well <laughs> agree awesome. to it. But uh, so what? So so then you didn't do wrestling, but what got you into jujitsu then? So jujitsu was was another thing. It was just another thing entirely. I am, you know, I had always since I was a little kid, I wanted to do some form of martial arts. Mm-hmm. I was I was always kind of a skinny, lanky kid. I wouldn't say I was bullied, but I definitely. You know, if somebody wanted to be an asshole to me, they could be an asshole to me and I would just right. kind of sit and take it. So I'd always wanted to do it. And there was never really a good place for me to do it around where I grew up. I grew up in a little podunk town just uh, just outside of Cleveland. And mm-hmm. it was just, you know, that wasn't really a thing, especially in the in the early 80s. And uh, one day I was. Uh, let's see, it would have been let's see, it's almost 13 years now, so it have been 2006. Seven. I was uh, I was listening to the uh, the Bubba the Love Sponge show. I don't know if you're okay. familiar with him or not, but yeah. he was he was on Sirius. He was kind of you know a, a, a Howard Stern clone. And uh, they were they were talking about they were based out of Florida, and they were talking about how they uh, a bunch of the guys in the show went to uh, Gracie Tampa mm. to start training. And, you know, they were, they were talking about it and I, I knew what jujitsu was like, I knew, I knew of UFC, but I, I wasn't really a fan of it at the time. Um, but it's just, you know, I, you know, the more they talked about it and they talked about how much fun they had, I'm like, oh, it seems like something I could do. So I, after, after I got home from work that day, I, I looked it up and it turned out there was a, a Hoist Gracie school about 10 minutes from where I lived in North Carolina. Wow. So I drove down and I, I checked out a class they had going on. And it seemed really cool. And the next day I signed up and 13 years later, barring a few, you know, moves and injuries and whatnot, I'm still, I'm still at it. That's amazing. Yeah. I, it's funny for me. I am, you you mentioned earlier, like worldwide of sports. Like I grew up a boxing fan, Mm -hmm. you know, I was a big Mike Tyson fan. And I remember the early UFCs 
And I remember Hoist. I remember, and, yeah. and I'm a small guy. I'm five seven, so and I'm shrinking. I used to be like five <laughs> seven and a half, and I just measured myself, and I've lost like a good half inch. It sucks. Welcome to old age, my friend. <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of room to shrink anymore. My dad was five eight, and I just took a photo with him, and I'm taller than him, so I'm gonna be like a, I'm gonna be like a literal hobbit in the next ten years. There you go. But um, so I I liked that. I was drawn mm-hmm. to the fact that a smaller guy could could pee right yeah uh, but i was a boxing guy i was really in this you know stand-up was yeah what i was really into and i remember um man even as recent i guess which not that recent now but um iceman versus rampage okay uh the one that i the uh, chuck liddell got knocked out which by the yep. way i've worked with both of those gentlemen in the same film a couple years ago sweet oh. as pie both sweet nice. very nice guys uh, especially rampage um, I've, I've heard i've heard nothing about good things about rampage yeah rampage I've, is, never, I've never met him but yeah rampage is super sweet softest gentlest guy ever chuck's yeah. a little withdrawn um but he's not a, he's not mean he's just sort of like yeah. in his own world sure. um but i there was like the fight that ended like in uh, like 30 or 60 seconds or something mm-hmm. rampage just oh. destroyed him right yep i remember that fight and i remember i was watching it with my cousin mandy and i remember thinking like what are these dudes doing on the ground like just you know, like rustling, hugging, you know, I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand it. And then, um, and then a few, you know, fast forward a few more years, I was looking to get in shape. I was getting married for the first time and I had to get in shape for the photos. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. And as I started to feel strong, I thought, man, I always would love to do a martial art. Mm-hmm. I don't know what martial art. I would like to do that. Yeah. So I don't know if it's still a thing. Is Groupon still a thing? Okay. Well, I got a Groupon. I got two Groupons. I got one Groupon for like, what's it? Was it Wang Chung? Wing Chung, I think. Yeah. Wing Chung, yes. Wing Chung. Uh, which was close to my house. Um, and then I got one for Gracie Baja, which then eventually became Legacy with Alberto yeah. Crane. And um, I did the, the Wing Chung and they had us in horse position a lot, okay. which is like this like crazy like sumo lunge kind of deal. Okay. And, and my legs were like dead and i was like i don't know about this this is not ready for me and then i did the, the jiu-jitsu thing and i just fell in love with it and oh yeah you know i i, t- I took a three-year hiatus you know after my divorce and again some injuries i had some pretty bad shoulder stuff going on but um there's something about the art that is i i cannot recommend it enough for folks there is um i mean you know i'm sure i don't know how tall you are big you are but like i'm a little guy i'm a small mm-hmm. guy and I'm often on the bottom of a much bigger guy. Mm-hmm. And there's something really freeing once you accept it of staying calm under literal, literal pressure from a bigger guy on top of you, crushing you, and you yeah. having to sit there and almost drop into like a meditative state. Absolutely. So I, it's funny, I'll actually tell you a great story. I, and I, you know, I'm not a small guy. I'm like five eleven, mm-hmm. and you know, at you know, right now, you know, thanks to COVID, not being able to train for the last year and some crippling alcohol-related depression, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I am a little over uh, a little over two hundred pounds, but I'm not not a small guy. Yeah. I, my, the instructor at my first school, he was um, his his one of his side jobs was uh he did uh he did security for jimmy buffett like he would go on tour with jimmy buffett wow. i mean he i mean he was you know he's probably my height about 230 and just a brick the literal brick shit house i mean right. muscles upon muscles upon muscles 
And I remember one time we were on, this was, you know, when I was still a white belt and we were rolling and he, I mean, he was just, it was funny because he was just clearly toying with me. <laughs> as as and, one is prone to do. Yes, yes, yes. And he put me in the belly and I had been, you know, I've been scrambling, you know, trying to keep up with him, just doing whatever I could. And I was just, I was gassed. So then he puts me in the belly and I'm like sitting there and it's the same thing. It's like, I cannot breathe. And so I tap and he just looks at me and keeps going. <laughs> it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't being a dick. He was just, you know, just like, whatever. So I tap again. And he looks at me, he's like, no, fuck you. You're not tapping to the belly. Get out. <laughs> and, you know, some people might look at that as being an asshole or being a dick. I look at it as like, you know what? He, he's trying to teach me something. Right. So I, like you said, almost, I wouldn't say quite a meditative, meditative state, but I got calm. I remembered how to escape, did my position, you know, framed up, shrimped out, got out. And it was like, that was the second time in jujitsu where it was like, things started to click for me. Yeah. And like, it was like, that was like, where, like I said, I learned to accept it. And I learned to accept that bigger guy being on top of me and putting all their weight on and being like, okay, cool. I'm just going to chill. We're going to do this. And, and, and the reality, I mean, I don't know, obviously I wasn't there, but my guess is he, he ain't hurting you. I mean, he's hurting you probably it's causing a lot of discomfort. He's not injuring you. No, no, right? not at all. And, and probably if he, if, for those who don't know what neon belly is, it's exactly what it sounds. One person is on the ground, probably one of us, and someone <laughs> is on top of us with their knee driven into our belly or sternum. Yep. And it's very, very uncomfortable. It hurts even, but they're not probably going to break your ribs unless they really wanted to. They're, it's yeah. just mostly going to make you feel really not pleasant. And you kind of have to got to kind of sort of fight through that there's a there's a quote from i think it's um they might be giants i think is the movie it's a football movie uh -huh. um and where the, where the guy is blindfolds one of the football players and he makes him do the death crawl across the field and he's like screaming at him to like keep going until he uh -huh. can't go any further and it turns out he makes it to the end zone that's kind of this it's like it, it's like some of these positions within jujitsu you just have to negotiate yep with your body to find that level of that next gear, your, your yeah. very best, right? Yeah. And, um, and sometimes you're successful. And then sometimes I tapped, yeah, uh, two days ago to a white belt who probably had, you know, sweet guy, but he's probably got 50 pounds on me. Mm -hmm. And I have no cardio right now because I'm yeah, just yep. getting back into it. And I'm on the bottom and I just couldn't breathe. And I, e even in the process of it, I was like, okay, negotiate with yourself and find find the resilience. And then at a certain point, I was like, I, I got to breathe. Yeah. Um, and those are lessons in jujitsu that I feel like are kind of unique to that, that, that uh, discipline. Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if you, I mean, maybe you do, but I, I don't know if you, you learned that in boxing or in kickboxing or Muay Thai or, or one of those type things, because we, while would, you know, you might get knocked out, right. You might, you know, you might take some damage. It's, it doesn't seem quite the same as being, held prone and sort of helpless yeah. for potentially extended periods of time. No, I agree. And it's, like I said, even in that situation, you're, you're exactly right. He wasn't trying to hurt me. And in, in retrospect, he really wasn't, but right. it was just like, I had been scrambling and, you know, I had zero cardio and I was, I was trying to take deep breath and I couldn't because his 
knee was there and I couldn't, yeah. you know, I couldn't expand my chest. So it was like, okay, well, I got to tap because I can't, you know, I can't get my breath back. But, you know, yeah. it, it was a lesson. And it was, I had another, you know, another instructor at the same school. He was very fond of taking his gi and basically covering your face with it. Oh, yeah. I know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was the same thing. It was like the first couple of times it happened, I panicked because I'm like, oh, my God, I can't breathe. And then once you have it done to, your, done to you a couple of times, you realize that it's really not that bad. And, it, you know, as long as he's not, you know, on top of your nose where you, where you can't, you know, get in there and, and, and get your get your nasal passages cleared, it's fine. Right. Yeah. So you just you calm down, you relax, you, you, you get your breathing under control and, you know plan your escape and, well, and hope you don't and hope you don't get choked out in the interim <laughs> and i feel like that's sort of a metaphor for life and that's that's yeah. one of the things that i love so much about uh martial arts in particular specifically jujitsu is that i feel like when i when i look at the landscape especially like on twitter right mm. and i look and, and you know there's a lot of folks that are oftentimes much younger than me and i and look even myself i get caught up in in the mire as well i look at some of the things that as my mom would say, gets their goat, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, it's often trivial things. You know, it's often things that are really not that important, but they seem important, right? They seem like the end of the world. Yeah. And um, it's like a proverbial neon belly. It's like life is putting pressure on you. And you can oh, either man. you can either tap out to it and succumb to that pressure. That's not going to kill you. It's not going to hurt you, but it's going to make you feel incredibly uncomfortable. And it's very humbling. Or you can negotiate with yourself and you could find the way to get out from underneath it and come out stronger for it. You know, I, I feel like especially these days, it, uh, I, I, need, I need to apply that logic to, to my regular life sometimes because it can, boy, it, 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 can get, uh, it can be much sometimes. So yeah, it's, that's actually a very good, uh, very good point. Well, I, I heard, um, Look, I have conflicting feelings on Joe Rogan's podcast often, but but yeah. when he talks about martial arts, I I, I tune in. Absolutely, um, he's described jujitsu as humbling, specifically because you die a million deaths mm-hmm. every time you tap out in jujitsu or martial arts in general. It's admitting death. Like mm-hmm. Your partner, your opponent, your, your whatever, whoever you're sparring against or training against, they could literally kill you. And they are showing mercy to you because you're asking for it. Mm-hmm. And it's humbling in the yeah. best possible way. It sucks the beginning. Sure. Like, I, you know, I'm a blue belt, but sometimes a white belt, especially real athletic one, will tap me out. And it's sucky. You know, like you got that ego part of you. Oh, absolutely. That, that Billy Badass part of you that's deep down your gut, that's watched too many like Van Damme movies. Like that's, it's it's a hard pill to swallow, but it's, it's so necessary and um, it, it kind of helps. I mean, for me at least, and again, not perfectly because we all succumb to the neon belly, so to speak, but, but it feels like it's, it, it kind of puts things in perspective in terms of what's important in life and what's not, you know, like, like sometimes it's okay to just admit that someone's better than you. I think the world in general would be a lot better place if they all did jujitsu because I think there's there's a a, a severe lack of that in the yeah. world today. I think there, there's not nearly enough people who are willing to say, you know, you're better than me. I fucked up. 
what, whatever the case may be. It's, yeah. you know, it's like you, you see it all the time these days and it's just, it, it's sad because it's like, you're right. There's, there's nothing wrong with it. No, there's nothing at all. And, and in fact, like, um, as the, as the name of the podcast would suggest a culture shock, I, I practice ceremonial magic. And, and by proxy of that, a lot of the people that I follow and follow me on social media tend to be in that world of sort of esoteric spiritual belief. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've noticed, and this is really true for every community. It's true in wrestling community. It's true in uh, MMA community. It's true in the horror movie community and in, in occult movie, uh, esoteric communities. It's like, everyone has to be amazing mm-hmm. out the gate. It's like you have to be, you have to be a teacher, a, a, a expert, uh, whatever it may be, right out the gate, and and um, it's like no one can admit or be or feel comfortable with the fact that other people know more. Yeah, and it's okay to work yourself up the ranking system, just like you would in jujitsu. Like some people, myself included, which is why people listen to this podcast. Are like you, you don't talk about magic much because I'm not that guy. I'm a white belt. You know, and when it comes to magic, but yeah. I can talk about culture, right? Because I'm part of it. Sure. And I feel like um, part of what I have taken away from martial arts and jujitsu specifically is that it's okay to learn the craft. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be a white belt for two years, three years, ten years, if that's yeah. what your path is. You know, sure. I got I, because I took a, a, a gap. I got buddies whom I trained with day one that are brown belts now. And I'm a good oh, yeah. belt, same. So, you know, same. And, and you know, it's, it's one of those things where you just have to sort of swallow your pride a little bit. And you got to remember that it's not, you're not racing towards anything. Yep. Like if you had your black belt right now, what, what difference would that make? Nothing. No, you just go in and train and be sore and hurt yeah. and probably get tapped out by someone who's sure. younger, faster, bigger. And that's life. Yeah. Sure. It happens. And I, I, I totally agree. And I think, and it's funny because I think a lot of it, I think there's a lot of people who, who kind of get scared of, of, of the gatekeepers. Yeah. You know, you get those people who's like, Oh, if you don't know, you know, if you don't know this band's old songs, you can't really be a true fan of them. It's, it's that same kind of mindset. Yeah. And it, it, of course it happens everywhere. And then, you know, there's going to be assholes in every aspect of life. You just have to, you have to, you can either, you know, fake it till you make it, which, you know, that works for some people, or you just accept the fact that, you know, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm coming here to learn. You can accept that and treat me like somebody who wants to learn it, or you can be an asshole on it and we'll, you know, figure it out later. Well, that's one of the things I think that specifically, I mean, I'm not saying there's not assholes in jujitsu. There clearly is. Oh, yeah. Right. <clears throat> but... Like, <laughs> But, but in, in, in my personal experience in the, in, in the people that I've trained with 99% of the time, mm-hmm. there's very few assholes like that, you know, yeah. maybe in MMA, there might be more, um, I don't know about wrestling, but like in, um, you know, collegiate wrestling, but like, right. but, but like in, within the world of jujitsu, generally speaking, when you walk onto the mat, everyone introduces themselves Mm-hmm. everyone says it's almost like little league it's like good game at the end of it you know yeah yep um regard no matter what belt you're going up against whether you're higher or they're higher everyone is just like thank you thank you for the time that we shared together mm-hmm. thank you for challenging me and thank you for allowing me to learn my skill on you yeah. uh, a lot of that ego dissipates and i think again because in jujitsu versus say uh, a contact you know more of a physical contact sport 
you're put in those death situations far more frequently. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's funny because I, and there's, and you know, I've heard stories of schools that have that, you know, that negative, you know, like, like, you know, the big comp- competition schools where they're, they, they, they instantly, as soon as a new guy comes in, they want to, you know, they want to weed out the weak, so to speak. Yeah. And they will absolutely work over a new guy. And it's like, I have been very fortunate. I've been at three different schools now because I have, you know, three different cities that I've lived in and each one, they were all had that very welcoming family. You know, you're one of us Yeah. from the second you walk in. And I just, I can't tell you how much, well, I mean, yeah, I can't tell you how much of a difference it makes for me personally. I mean, you know, some people may not care one way or the other for me. I, 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 you know, like I said, I'm 50 years old. I'm not looking to be a, a you know, a world champion jujitsu guy. It's just, it's yeah. not going to happen. I don't, I don't have the time or energy to, to get my cardio and my level that, you know, to where I could do that. Right. I'm there. I'm there to learn the art. I'm there to, you know, hopefully keep myself in, keep myself in a modicum of, uh, of decent shape and I'm there to have fun. And that's, and that's it. And I, I've been very fortunate both with, you know, like I said, my first school, my last school, and now with Brian, that I am in a school with good people that, that are very welcoming and are always willing to help. And that I, I can't tell you how much of a difference that makes. No, I, I agree. And, and to me, again, when you train jiu-jitsu regularly, it, it, it almost is in, in and of itself a spiritual practice, mm-hmm. but physical. And I, and I think that they're, they're, I, I wish more people, it's kind of like, you know, like new agers connect with yoga, right? Often you sort of see that connection. Mm-hmm. I feel like it, if you're a person who's looking to sort of overcome your own personal ego, jiu-jitsu is a great spot to do. I mean, there's other places as well, but like that to me is one of the best places because again, it drives out so much of your ego and your uh, vanity and, and, and even that, like even, even accepting that you won't be a world champion jujitsu competitor. Right. Like I, I did um, one competition as a blue belt mm-hmm. and I had to cut weight. I didn't have to cut weight. I chose to cut weight. Yeah. Idiotically. And I cut 14, no, 17 pounds in three days. Ugh. Now, now, if for those of you who watch boxing or MMA or MMA, you know, when those when those people cut weight, they usually have a day to rehydrate in most jujitsu tournaments. You got like 10 minutes, mm-hmm. you weigh in and then 10 minutes later, you're on the mat. So when you cut 17 pounds in three days, you're not ready for competition. This is dumb. Do not do this. <laughs> not to mention it wrecks your body, but yeah. And, and I was, I was in the mud. I was stuck in the mud. Like they, they'll say on a Thursday, Thursdays on Brian's uh, timeline. I, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't get out of second gear. I was foggy as all hell. And I got my ass whooped. Yep. And that was when I decided I was no longer going to compete, nor was I ever going to cut weight like that. In fact, I gained weight because yeah. I got tired of cutting it all the time, you know? Sure. And, um, and, and, and I don't know if you've ever read Mark Manson's um, subtle art of not giving a fuck. Not yet. I, I actually have it. It's on my Kindle. I, I've been meaning to open it, but much like, much like all the other books on my Kindle. <laughs> oh man, I have a whole bookshelf, but read yeah. that book yeah. and there was, you'll get to a section when you're going to be like, oh, that's the same thing we were talking about. Yeah. It's like there, he tells an antidote about wanting to be a rock star. Okay. You know, 
And then he came to a realization at some point that he loves the fantasy of being a rock star, but he doesn't really want to be a rock star because that entails the hours of practice, the whatever, all the craftsmanship of mm-hmm. that profession, right? And sure, that was not where his passion lied, right? And I think that's the same thing with jujitsu. It 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 has helped me really drive out some of these ideas of like, I mean, I'd love to be a rock star, but you know what? I don't have a voice like that, you know, not mm-hmm. not with enough octaves to really do it. And frankly, right. I'm 40 and I don't want to have to, you know, lose 30 pounds to shrink into some leather pants or whatever it may be, vegan leather pants. And, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not, not that stage of my life. And that's okay. Yeah. That is okay. And that's like the same thing with what I see on Twitter. Like it's okay to just be a practitioner and not be a leader, a teacher, an influencer. Everyone wants to be a fucking influencer these days. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to be a content creator. And if that's your passion, look again, I write blogs and podcasts for fun. If that's your passion, by all means, I'm not saying don't do it. What I am saying though, is that there comes a time when you have to sort of come to those subtle deaths in your life. When you got to realize, when you got to humble yourself to realize where your passion truly does lie and where Mm -hmm. it doesn't lie and, and, and humbling oneself to where you're actually at in life is really empowering to me. Absolutely. And just to go back to the jujitsu thing for a second, if you want humbling, there is nothing more humbling, especially as a, you know, almost six foot, 200 pound man than being wrapped into a pretzel by a five foot, two, 120 pound woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. All- and it happens and people don't think it happens and people laugh. Actually, I have a, I have a friend. He's, he's, I want to say he's like six, I mean, he's a huge dude. He was a former yeah. Marine, and he is convinced that he could beat Ronda Rousey in an MMA fight. <laughs> and we all kind of laugh and joke about it, but it's like you just you have no okay. idea until you are in there with somebody who is at that skill level. And yeah, man, you want to talk about humbling? That's that's humbling. Well, that's one of those things that you always hear those, I call them the Billy Badasses, you know, they watch too many action films and they probably, they, they probably watch MMA bouts and they probably think they can train UFC. I love that. That's my big favorite. Oh yeah. Thing. Oh yeah. And you know, they watch, they watch, you know, they watch someone and they're like, I could do that. I could, and it's like, you can't, you yeah. can't, you're not even close to it. Yep. You know, do, do a simple jujitsu tournament first off and because you probably not, won't get brain damage. And, mm-hmm. and, and see how hard it is. It's like when we were talking about pro wrestling, right? Do it for, go hard for three minutes with someone who's going hard against you. And mm-hmm. then when you're done, tell me, like when I was, when I was in my athletic prime, I'd go up against, you know, six foot two. I remember this one guy who's very sweet man, but like, he's a big guy. And yeah. as you know, most white belts, when they first get started, they're like, I'm going to go hard and I'm going <laughs> to use my strength and I'm going to power you. And I, I like guillotines. That's like my yep. move. I, I usually mm-hmm. go for guillotines or ankle locks. And then lately I've been going okay. for arm bars. But, um, you know, I, I kind of got him in sort of a, a, a bulldog choke, you know, mm-hmm. and he's, he's and, and then I just flipped him, just rolled yep. right back on my back and rolled him right on top of him and, and finished the guillotine for, for Mount. And he just looked at me like this little, at the time I was like 158, 5'7", <laughs> 158-pound guy just yep. my ass over and choked me. And again, he's good sport. You know, like he wasn't trying to be, he's just doing typical white belt. Of thing, course. Right? Yeah, yeah. Going hard. 
And it really does sort of put in perspective what you're capable of and, and what you're not capable of. And that's not to deter anyone. Cause again, yeah. if that's your passion, if you, if you want to be the, on the level of Ronda Rousey, then by all means, but you're going to have to put in all the years oh, yeah. that she put in. Right. And then you better hope that your genetics line up with that effort. Cause that's the other that's, aspect of it. Absolutely. Ten, the 10,000 hours of training is only going to get you so far. Yeah. Yeah. At a certain point, it's like, it, you know, we, we ought to watch those early UFC bouts and you're, we're all watching Hoist Gracie, but you know what? That six foot six guy that also trains as much as you probably going to beat you <laughs> and you might yeah. be okay with that. Well, you know, and then that's the funny thing too. It's like, you know, they, the one thing, especially the old school jujitsu guys will talk about is like, you know, don't use strength, don't use strength. It's, it's all about technique. And that's true. If you're, you know, if you're in a street fight or if you're yeah. fighting against somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, but at some point you're going to get a guy who is just as skilled, if not more skilled than you. And at some point you're going to need that strength. You may not yeah. want to admit it and you may, you know, you may not want to do it, but yeah, at some point it's, you know, you're going to need that, that extra, that extra edge. And like I said, there's something kind of empowering of knowing that you're not at the top of the line. You know what I'm saying? Like it's okay to be somewhere in the shades of gray, right? That's oh, yeah. okay to exist because that's I've, your spot. Yep. No, I've, I've absolutely come to accept that. <laughs> <laughs> well, be, we're, we're getting close to time, but before we go, I want to okay. talk about hot sauce. Okay. Because that's kind of a gimmick of yours. That is a, that is a bit of a gimmick of mine. Yes. So what I love my hot sauce? Well, okay. Besides loving hot sauce, cause I do as well. What got you in? to tasting hot sauce on, on the show and, and pushing your limits in terms of what is humanly digestible. I, I would love to have some very deep, uh, meaningful answer for you. <laughs> but the, the fact of the matter is I'm an idiot and people pay me money to do it. <laughs> hey, listen, the jackass guys made a whole career out of that. Yeah. Yeah. So like the, 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 what really started it honestly was I had gotten, you know, I'd started getting back into the hot sauce. I, I don't even remember what started it, but I, I just, I started getting into it and somehow I ended up getting um, the, uh, the, the packy chip company. Mm-hmm. They have that, they have that uh, Carolina Reaper, the one chip challenge. Okay. And so I ended up getting one of those and I was going to do it and just whatever. This was at the time when I was still doing the, the Brian and Vinny show and I figured, you know what, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to mention it to Brian. It's like, Hey, you know what, if you want, I will happily do this on the show. Cause I figure if I'm going to do it, let's have some fun with it. Right. So, and that's what we did. And you can go and it actually, it's, I think the, the clip is still on YouTube somewhere of me, the whole segment of me eating the, eating the chip and the, the pain that, that followed, but that was kind of, that's what kind of led me to doing the gimmick. So that now that when I, you know, when I do do my, my Twitch streams that it's, you know, it's kind of, I have my, I have my flu and I will, I will, I will just show you one of my boxes (laughs) of hot sauce here. That is amazing. Yeah. And this is probably, this right here is probably, 20 bottles of unopened hot sauce and i have another i have another two containers of those that are just unopened i probably i probably have sitting on probably 70 bottles of unopened hot sauce not counting the 
30 to 40 that I have open to my fridge right now. So I, I might have a bit of a problem. My wife certainly thinks so, but. <laughs> well, now I forget, I forget the method of hot as ghost something. What's the, no, not good. There's a unit of, of heat. Oh, oh, um, um, shit. No, I can't remember. Cause it I is, watched um, like the, the hot, what is it? The hot ones? Yeah. Is that that Scoville units. Yes. Yes. Hot ones. Yeah. So what's the, what is the highest heat level that you've been able to like keep down a without milk or water and and b just in general without well without milk and water is not i would say the hottest one that i've done is probably i want to say about a hundred thousand scovels that's insane yeah but i've done i've done i mean i've i've tasted the um you know how, how the hot ones they have there you know they kind of go up from the first one is mild yeah. and then the last one the last dab is and i've done i've had two different styles of the last dab including their most recent one the last dab apollo <laughs> which is i believe it is somewhere in the neighborhood of three million scoville units how is that even possible to digest it's i don't know <laughs> i mean it's put it this way it's 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 it, it, hot going down and it's hot coming out but yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was gonna say is there a point where like at a certain point there's it just doesn't get hotter like it just is it just sucks or or do you feel that incremental increase of heat oh no 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 it definitely there the, depending on what you have and and and, and how it is because some sauces you know are are just peppers it's peppers vinegar mm-hmm. whatever and then you have some that use um that also use capsaicin oil which is, you know, the extract. Right. And those, those ones are always are like, there's one, um, it's called the bomb. It's, I, it, it's, it's been a staple on hot ones, I think, since the beginning. It's usually their number eight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's only, it's only technically, I want to say it's like 160, maybe 1,000 scovels. Um, but to a person, everyone says that is the worst sauce there because it's it's primarily um, it's primarily capsaicin it's the capsaicin oil as opposed to to just the peppers and it's just it tastes god awful and it, it has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. <laughs> and one of my first one of my first Twitch streams, I did three tablespoons of it. Ooh. And Praise oh yeah. Man. Yeah, and it, it sucked going down, and then about three in the morning that night, Ooh. I woke up and I was I was in the bathroom for a solid hour. It, it was it was misery. Brutal. That was that was without question the worst one. That that's brutal. Well, I have told you multiple times that what what the Wrestling Observer Online needs is a show is a is a round table, almost like a fight companion. I think you need to add the hot ones element into it. You know, everyone has their plate, and and as you review a pay per view or something, you've got to you got to progressively eat the the you know hotter and hotter and hotter, and just see what kind of a train wreck this turns out to be. I actually like that. Actually, what I'm what I'm, what I'm really thinking of doing, if we, if we can't do that, is you know, hopefully, hopefully I will be back for the. Uh, hopefully, we will be doing a, a live Christmas show this year, and hopefully, I will be there for it. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, especially since we'll, we'll all be we'll all be shit faced drunk anyhow. Um, <laughs> Is that I will bring a couple, uh, couple hot sauces with me, and uh, you should make everyone shoot it. Oh yeah. Oh no, yeah. I, I, I totally, uh, I, I totally agree. But whatever you do, don't drink the chocolate liqueur that's multiple years old. 
<laughs> I was so bummed they didn't. That never came to fruition. I was I was all ready to do it. I was, I, I was like, whatever. I always catch the shows, you know, after the fact. And I, I remember yeah. listening. I think I was listening to it like right before bed. And I was like, I got I got a message. Rob tomorrow. I gotta, I gotta see if he actually did this. This is this is a bad idea. I don't think this is a good idea. You know what? I if it's not gonna kill me, what the hell? You know? Oh, uh, that's questionable though. Yeah. It definitely was after the after the uh the, the bomb incident. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Rob, thank you so much for being on the show. I, it's a pleasure. I'm I hope people kind of came away from this with a with a newfound understanding about pro wrestling and especially jujitsu. Um, you've got a BJJ shirt on right now. It's per- yeah. perfectly appropriate. And um, and hopefully you're back on the show because you're definitely an, an added element to it that's that's been missing, frankly. Well, I appreciate that. I'm going to make sure to forward that clip to Brian immediately so he knows. <laughs> um, but no, thank you. I, I loved it, and I, I, you know, I would love to do that again sometime. I, I feel like we we never we we didn't get into the writing or any of that. Oh, we stuff, did get so. into writing. I know. I, I I try to keep these to like an hour and change, and then like yeah. by the end of it, it just was like, oh, there's a whole another element we could talk about. So yes, yeah. you, you'll you'll be back on because I want to talk about writing. I want to talk yeah. about your process and and kind of some of the stuff that you're that you got up your sleeve. No, definitely. I would love to, man. Excellent. Well, thank you again, Rob, so much. I appreciate it. And and uh, hopefully the rest of your evening is good and you don't have any crazy hot sauce before bed because that might not end well. Yeah, yeah. I think we're getting a little close to bed. I, I got to get up early for work tomorrow, so I'm pro- probably stay for tonight, but uh, I'm, sure I'll, I'm sure I'll have something out for the weekend. M- maybe when, okay, here's what we'll do. I'll make a promise right. to you. Okay. Next time you're on, yeah, we'll get the same hot sauces and we'll do like our version of the hot ones. Yeah. As we talk about your writing and your creative aspect of your life as well. And then we'll see what kind of train wreck happens on this show. So I have, I have this one right here. It's okay. called Bunster's Shit the Bed. <laughs> it is, it is a, 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 a portly a heat level of 12 out of 10. <sighs> and the, the, the missus will appreciate this because it's, it's from Australia. Oh yeah. Lovely. Sure so like that. We'll, we'll have to, we'll have to get, uh, have to get you some of that. Excellent. We'll try that one. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rob. Have a good no, night. Thanks, Dave. You too, man. Bye. I would like to thank producer Rob for coming on the show once again. I thought that um, it was a really great conversation. And just like with Sabrina last week, we could have talked for a whole nother hour. Um, there's a whole nother aspect of producer Rob's creative output, including screenwriting that I wanted to get into. So we'll just have to have him back on the show once again. I want to thank you all uh, again for bearing with my voice during these intros and outros and for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it. And until next time, gold rings on you all.